Welcome to another edition of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service, Mr. Paula Jamis. And Paul, just in case it wasn't completely clear by the fact that I talk about paint for a living and have a, a paint podcast... That doesn't make you the most dynamic person in every room well, you walk into. I'm going to out myself for nerddom, <laughs> but it might be kind of obvious just by what we do here. I mean, we did start this off by saying we both listen to podcasts all the time. We talk about pain all the time. Yeah. We kind of indicated that yeah, we might be a little bit nerdy. Welcome to Nerdville Population Us. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. Hello, nerds. Anyway. For my birthday, my wife gave me a projector, so I'm turning my one of my rooms into this man cave. And I had the proud nerd papa moment. I was talking to my 12-year-old. He was on one of our episodes earlier. And I said, what what Star Wars movies do you want to watch first in the movie theater? And uh, like any true Star Wars nerd, it was music to my ears when he said, Empire Strikes Back. Excellent. Yeah, that's the... Uh, acceptable nerd one as the best George Lucas couldn't mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars movie. You know, at least he didn't say Phantom Menace to make me watch Jar Jar Binks. No. And that's, and that's too bad because there really are some great fight scenes in those other movies. Yeah. But, but that movie's all about trade wars. <laughs> it's as boring as a podcast about paint. Yeah. But the trade wars don't dry out. <laughs> We're going to continue our series on paint types and resin types. But before we get into that a little bit, Paul, how do they get a hold of us? Maybe they want to tell me that I'm wrong about Jar Jar Binks and the Phantom Menace. Hey, we will take suggestions and comments, whether it be on Star Wars, Jar Jar Binks, or paint, or whatever it is you guys want to talk about. Misa likes us, the paints us. <laughs> and now Paul is rendered silent I, by my stupidity. I got, I got nothing to follow that with. <laughs> So let's change the topic. <laughs> you can reach us at technical service at carboline.com. Jack's on Twitter at Jack underscore CTSP. And I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. Email us, you will. <laughs> anyway, so. T- <laughs> oh, yeah. Today we're going to talk about one of the more simplistic resin technologies. We're going to get into Alkid resins. This is something that I'm sure everybody is familiar with. If you're listening to this podcast, you've dealt with this before. Your parents have used it. It's probably on the walls of your house. It's it's all over the place. It's been around forever. It's your traditional oil-based paint. I was going to say, it's probably the most widely t- used type of paint that there is on the market. It really is. They use it for every, you know, artists use it. You have house painters will use it. Industrial painters will use it. Everybody has it on at all different levels and all different technologies. It is a really broad range of formulas that can be created out of this one basic resin type. And a long time ago and in a galaxy not so far away, it was probably universally used. It was the main house paint. It was the main industrial paint. When I first started in the paint business, this was the kind of stuff, whenever anybody had a problem, you'd always get that old guy who'd come in and be, I can't believe it. I never had this problem when you used to just let me buy my oil-based paint. All of this latex paint is not... And that was the fight we had to fight all the time. Yeah, so basically due to VOC regulations and, let's be honest, cure times, and we'll get into that, alkids have faded a little bit, but they've also transformed. 
I mean, the old lead paints that you hear about were out good based in nature. They just had lead in them. Yeah. And these are such a basic type that, I mean, it was way back in the 1800s when the first ones were put together that you could buy in a can at a store where it came pre-mixed. This was stuff that you could use your linseed oil and your solvents, and you kind of blended it with a pigment pack you bought from a, from a supplier. So that history has evolved, and a lot of those things still carried through, honestly, all the way up until 2014, when SSPC finally discontinued their paint specification, the SSPC Paint 25 spec, which was for a linseed oil-based primer and paint. You could use it over marginally prepared surfaces, had a couple of types in it. Like we said, it's been discontinued, but we still see it in a ton of specs. Sure, and those products that are covered in that SSPC Paint 25 are slow. Think about how long when you spill oil on the counter in your kitchen, how long it takes to dry. I mean, you really could use the sundial to to measure how slow these products were. We're talking no, about... I, I, I tell people you measure it with a calendar. Yeah, weeks. Yeah. And linseed oil had its place and some of it is still has some basis in it. The real problem is how much modification can you do to it? And you had to heavily modify it for it to not be a six, eight week dry to touch kind of, of process. Which is why today's alkyds are synthetic modified resins instead of the actual oils that come out of the ground. That's right. So really what we're talking about with all these, and I guess we'll go back a little bit to the types of cure mechanisms that they have. NACE does a good job in their uh, NACE CIP1 class. They talk about it a lot. You can find some stuff on SSPC about it. And we're looking at the differences between non-convertible and convertible coatings. And basically a non-convertible coating is one that after it's dry, and I say dry, you can take that dried film that's left and redissolve it with more solvent and the same solvent that was in it the first time. And you can get it to go back to its liquid state. These are your vinyls, your chlorinated rubbers, paints that have all been eliminated due to VOCs. Yeah, because at really least in high. the United States. Yeah. Yep. The other type is the convertible coatings. A convertible coating is one where the resin matrix undergoes a change during this drying or curing process. Something has left the film. There is an evaporation process or an oxidation process that allows something to come out of the film and the resin itself changes form. And in those cases, it doesn't matter how much solvent you put back into it. You'll never get it to go back to its original form where you can use it again. But Paul, most of my alkyds are one component. <laughs> what, what are they reacting with? In a lot of cases, it's a simple oxidation reaction. Where, Oxygen? That's right. It can, It can react with oxygen, and it helps to form that matrix that allows it to create a protective layer. Some people may call this oxidative cross-linking. That's exactly what it is. You read well. <laughs> Shut up. All right, we have to take a time out here. Remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Carboline. We'd like to take a moment to talk to you about Reactamine 760. Reactamine 760 is Carboline's solvent-free aromatic hybrid polyurethane. It has ANSI NSF 61 potable water certification and is ideal for covering irregular surfaces. If you'd like to learn more about Reactamine 760, stop by our booth at the WevTech Conference. That's the Water Environment Federation 
technical exposition and conference. That's going to be this year. It'll be in uh, New Orleans coming up on October 1st through the 3rd. Come check us out at booth number 518. Game on. Game on. That's how the alkyds or oil paints cure. There are several different types of alkyds. There's what we have mainly been talking about so far is what we'll call the straightforward or basic alkyds. But throughout the evolution of this type of technology, they have figured out a way to add modifiers to it. There are urethane alkyds where you can actually take the urethane isocyanate, react it with the alkyd. It gives you a harder, drier film. That's what they used to do to help speed things along back before we had the fast, dry alkyds. There's epoxy alkyds. And there's even silicone modified alkyds. Now those silicone modified alkyds, once again, are slow. All of these types of alkyds are good interior or exterior coatings. They're going to stand up well to the elements. They provide good protection. They are going to have some degree of discoloring. They don't mm-hmm. hold their color forever. They are There is going to be some degree of oxidation that happens on a surface where you get a chalking appearance on the surface. So they don't last forever. And when we look at them, you've heard us go back to the service life of coatings document that NACE put together. You know, we look at it and typically they have really good adhesion to marginally prepared surfaces. So when we're looking at SP2, SP3 prepared surfaces, they have great adhesion, but we're only looking at a service life. You know, even in the most mild condition, you're looking at, you know, six years for two coats of alkyd in these kinds of environments. You put it in a severe environment and you may be only looking at at a year. You put it up on the roof of a building and you expose it to all the environmental stuff on the roof, you're going to see it chalk and fade and it might be months that you'll see effects happening and you want to go up and do a repaint. Yeah, I would call these the entry level industrial coatings. It really is. It's uh, maintenance coatings. It's it's when you want to have easy to apply coatings. A lot of times you might have a temporary coating where you want to Apply a shop applied primer to your steel so that the steel won't corrode during shipping, but then it'll be blasted off on the site. You can apply them really thin. A lot of times these primers are around one mil when you apply them. So they dry fast. They're easy to repair. They're easy to touch up. They have an indefinite recoat window. So for those kinds of properties, it makes them really good for what they do. Yeah, they're a really great selection for mild or moderate environments. The other drawback to most alkyds is that unless they are modified, you can only top coat them with alkyds or acrylics. That's right. They don't have a whole lot of resistance to solvents. So when you're putting in something that's going to be wet for a long time with the top coat that's being applied, the solvents that are there are slow to evaporate. They're going to have a tendency to break down. Now, there are what's called universal alkyds. And those can be top-coated with all types of paints. Right. And the main reason is they were modified. And those are what you're going to see as your main shop coat applied primer. That's right. Really, one of the things that we have to look at is what's the biggest thing we see as being a problem when you're applying alkyds to a substrate? Well, since they react with the oxygen in the air to form that uh, crosslink, excessive film thickness, I would think, would be the main cause for problem. That's exactly right, Jack. Wrinkling or excessive film thickness is really the biggest problem. And what happens is it needs surface exposure. And if it's covered up too much by too much thickness, it just doesn't have a chance to evaporate out those solvents out. 
you end up with that wrinkling effect or something that's always soft where you feel like the top is dried up, but the bottom is still coating. You know, and that wrinkling is an effect of the top layer skinning over. You put too much of the coating on there, that top part will react with the oxygen in the air. It'll cure over and form a film, but what, what happens is, is the part that's closer to the steel is still gushy and soft because it hasn't cured. So as the surface tension changes at the top as it cures, it'll literally wrinkle up and crack. And that can happen whether you put too much on all at one time or you recode it too quickly. You get the same effect. The other big problem that you run into is that it's not compatible with the substrate. And by incompatible with the substrate, really the thing we need to look at is these alkyd resins don't like an alkaline environment. So when we look at what is the most alkaline area that we have, it's when we put it over different types of metals, specifically zinc. You wouldn't put an alkyd coating over galvanizing. You wouldn't put it over a zinc-rich coating because what will happen is the term saponification. And this is the alkaline metal, or you could even look at it with concrete that's alkaline, reacts with the oil resins and creates a soap as an oversimplification. That's right. And that soap layer is going to have a tendency to form between the paint and the substrate. It's at that boundary layer right there is where that soap forms. And what you end up with is large-scale delamination. You, you ever seen one of the light poles and you have sheets of paint coming off a light pole? That's usually due to an alkyd being put on top of galvanizing. Alkyd on galvanizing or alkyd on zinc-rich coatings is bad. It's like crossing the streams bad. That's bad. That that's bad. That that's bad. Once again, Paul's rendered silent by my stupidity. <laughs> what we will go on to say, and we're going to wrap this up because we've talked about alkyds for uh, longer than I thought was far possible. longer than they yeah. deserve. Is one thing that I learned that I thought was really interesting. Once again, I'm a nerd. Is that saponification is actually a problem in old oil paintings. A lot of the failures uh, where these masterpieces have to be restored is due to the fact that the old pigments that they use had metal in them. And so over time, these oil paints reacted with those uh, metal pigments and saponified and, and formed a soap layer kind of in the middle of the oil paint. You know, if, if you know anything about painting in that form, it's layers and layers and layers of paint. And so when the oil paint would react with the metal pigments, it took a really long time, but they did bubble up and a lot of the restoration that you have of oil paintings is, is fixing the saponification. On that note, Jack, I think we can wrap up Alkids. Yeah. So thanks for listening. If you want to call us a nerd, hit us up on the, uh, the text line and uh, we'll see you us up on the social medias. On the, on the social medias, on the interwebs. But until then, we'll see you next Monday.